this last week, actually the last couple of weeks, with uh, our PE teacher on vacation. There's been a few of us that have done our very best, Derek and Ralph and myself, leading kids in game of hockey. It, it really makes us old guys feel good when we can score a goal on those little guys. We think to ourselves that we still got it even though we don't. But it's, it's really been fun to play sports with them, especially hockey, and, and uh, especially to see my own little kiddos start to gain a love for the game. And it's funny because, as, as we've been told, the, the kids haven't really gotten too excited about any of the sports that they've learned this year except for hockey. And let me tell you, we got some warriors in the, in the crew over there taking pucks to the shin and to the head and all the things. They're doing it, and they... Not without some tears shed, but they get right back out there and they fight and they, they get in there and they do it. And it reminded me as I was trying to coach the kids and we're trying to teach them various things, you know, I, I remember these pep talks that my dad would have with me before a hockey game. As I played ice hockey, I would go out and my dad would usually drive me to the games. And on the way to the games, he would always tell me three things. I thought they were pretty good advice, but coming from a guy that never played hockey in his life, I'm like, pfft. Come on, Dad. But he would tell me, keep your stick down. Keep your eye on the puck and put the puck in the net. Those are the three things. You think, well, that's pretty oversimplified. And while it is a little bit, I couldn't tell you how many missed goals that I didn't have. You know why? Because my stick was up and not down. Or I took my eye off the puck for a split second. Every time, it's interesting, every time that he gave me that pep talk and every time I adhered to that pep talk, I scored a goal. Every time. But if he didn't take me to the game or I thought I knew better, doing my own thing, didn't listen, whatever, I took my mind off of it, I didn't score a goal. After I got slammed by this huge football player by a nickname by the name of Booger, we added one more. Don't get in between Booger and the wall. That was the fourth pep talk that my dad would give me. Have you ever been given advice, good advice, and you didn't take it and you wish you had? Somebody could have been seeing something from a mile away and they just pulled you aside and they said, hey, could I share something with you? Could I give you some advice? Part of, part of the, the role that I play in, in pastoral ministry here in, here in Montana, uh, even though I'm one of the younger guys as a pastor, I have more experience than a lot of the guys that, have, that are coming in. And so they've put several pastors uh, I don't want to say underneath me, but within my care. And I, and I check in with them and talk with them, and they have questions, and we go through different things. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I can tell when someone is going to take the advice or not. I think we've all been there. But what about the things that we've been learning over this past year? Can you believe Today, we close out 
the year-long series of the Sermon on the Mount. These words of Jesus. Are they just good Judeo-Christian principles that we should live by because they promise us that what? That our financial lives may be better in order, our health lives may be better in order? Are those... Are, is, the question that I have here is, is this just good advice that Jesus is giving to us in the Sermon on the Mount, or is it more than that? And if it is more than just good advice, if it really is, thus saith the Lord, because Jesus, in all of his authority, even at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, people were amazed because here's a guy who speaks on his own authority. Like, it's just totally different than what they'd ever heard. If it's more than just good advice, how could we then close out a series and not make a decision of how we're going to live from now until dead? Let's pray. Father, open our hearts and our minds to your word. Please, Lord, I ask for your anointing on my mind and the words that I speak that we would hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Towards the end of this sermon, Jesus has given us some warnings about gates and paths, about false prophets true prophets, about disciples, even within our own life. And now we get to this final part. Therefore, one of those all-encompassing words that's bringing everything together. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and its collapse was great. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Everyone who hears these words. Last week, we looked a little bit of, of the parable of the, the ten virgins and the difference between them, the wise and the foolish. The difference was the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And in this time, we again are left with the wise and the foolish. And Jesus says that there's one difference between the wise and the foolish in this story. And that is do they do it? Both hear it, but only one chooses to apply it to their life. That's it. That's the main difference. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does not act on them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And so we look at this. So we say, okay, well, what, what does that mean? Does that simply mean just taking everything that Jesus has said from Matthew chapter 5 to, to the end of Matthew chapter 7 and just applying it to our life? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how more simple it could be. Jesus is saying, therefore, he's wrapping it all up and he's saying, I have basically walked out what it looks like for my disciples to live for me. We try to add all these things to it or we try to take away things from it. But what Jesus said is what Jesus said. Hopefully you've been challenged a little bit this last year. I know that I have. As we read these things, we go, I guess I, I, you know, there's things I need to allow God to do in my life. Something different, how I live. So, as we look back just a little bit, our personal relationships, how we are disciples in that we share light and salt and love around us, about what's in our hearts, about what our motivation is, why we do what we do, why do we give, why do we pray, why do we fast, all of the motivations, all those things. And one of the probably the most important things that have come out, at least in my life over this last year, is to recognize who we are in Jesus. Because if we know who we are in Christ, then we know who's really doing the work in us and through us. We don't fall for the temptations of the enemy all the time. <laughs> I know that sometimes we end up believing the lies that the enemy gives, but we don't fall for all the traps that are set before us because we know that the enemy is simply trying to say, are you really a child of God? And if you can answer and say, I know I'm a child of God because that's what God says I am, then you don't have to try to prove it to the enemy by doing this or all that. You don't have to go looking for things in life to make you feel better. You don't have to go looking for things to give you peace. You don't have to go looking into the world to find out. You know that you can be truthful with who you are, with what God has called you to be, and that is powerful. We've talked about breaking free, having freedom in our life, breaking free from the power and the bondage of sin and what Christ did on the cross for us. But probably the most important thing that we could establish today is, well, what is this foundation? Otherwise known as, who is this foundation? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and turn with me there. Uh, Paul lays it out pretty plainly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting in verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another building on it. 
But each person must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I've known of many who have tried to build their spiritual life and they did not build it on a solid foundation. They built it on tradition. They built it on what they always knew, how they were raised. They built it on what other church members told them to build it on. They built it on, on, on what YouTubers told them to build it on. They built it on so many different things. And yet when something comes, the rain, the wind, the storm, the floods, if the foundation is not secure, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. And I've seen dear friends of mine who have walked away from the faith because they thought it mattered what they did, not who they were in Christ. We know, because we've studied it all out, is that when we know who we are in Christ, everything transforms from that. Our, ever, our thinking, our attitude, our behaviors, all of that changes, but the foundation must be sure. Paul says that there is no other foundation to be laid than that which is Jesus Christ. Build your life on the foundation of Jesus. And we would say yes and amen. And it sounds good, but what does that really mean? It's one of those things that I know that if I say it, we can amen together, we can agree together, and we can walk out of here together saying, yes, build the foundation on Jesus. But the question is, is what does that really look like? What does that really mean in my life? And I think that, that Ellen White really puts it eloquently on the thoughts of the Mount of Blessing as she talks about this part. And she shares three different things. She says, Christ, the word, the revelation of God, the manifestation of his character, his law, his love, his life, is the only foundation upon which we can build a character that will endure. The revelation of God, the manifestation of his character, his law, his love, his life. She says, we build on Christ by obeying his word. It is not he who merely enjoys righteousness that is righteous, but he who does righteousness. Holiness is not raptured as a result of, number two, surrendering all to God. And she says, it is doing the will of our Heavenly Father. Which is basically what Jesus has told us, especially in this last part. Obeying his word, surrendering all, and doing the will of the Heavenly Father. Amen. Obeying the word of God. Not just the do's and the don'ts, but recognizing if the word says that I am free from sin, if the word says that I am a child of God, if the word says that I'm a conqueror, I'm an ambassador, if the word says these things, then I will choose to believe those things rather than what my experience or my feelings or what someone else tells me I am. I'm going to choose what God's word says about me in my life, obeying the word of God. And of course that follows the do's and the don'ts. The do's and don'ts are the easy part. But knowing who you are in Christ doesn't come so 
easily. Surrendering all to God, your will, your weaknesses, your fears, your pains. Stop trying to manage it all and thinking that you can do it all yourself. Hand it to the one who wants to take it. Give it to the one who promises that he will and that he'll put his yoke upon you. He will give you rest. Surrender that stuff to God. His will is better than yours anyway. His strength is way better than my weakness. His confidence is better than my fear. His healing is better than my pain. I don't know why we choose to hang on to this stuff. But here's a God who says, give it to me, I'll take it. And I'll restore you. Surrender it all to God. And then do the will of God. There's really, the only thing that really came to my mind when I thought about that is if I know who I am and I know who gives me what I need, then walk out my faith. Doing the will of God is walking out your faith, walking out the faith that Jesus gives to you, walking out the way that he's called you to live. Walk out your faith. If I am no longer a bondage to sin, then why would I keep going back to it? I'm free from that. Here's one thing that I have found. People that get really upset about this idea that, that we need to call ourselves sinners, you know what I've found? They want to call themselves a sinner because they want an excuse to sin. If I call myself a sinner and then I can go do these things, I say, well, I'm just a sinner. But that's not who God calls you. You were a sinner. You did live that way. But in Christ, you are a new creation. And now you get to live and walk out that new created life. Don't go back. Don't go back. Build your life on the foundation of Christ. Obey his word. Know who you are in him. Give it all to him. Surrender it to him and walk out your faith. If I gave you the choice today, if I asked all of you to build your life on Jesus or to build it on the world, I know what your answer would be. I know every single one of you. I'd go through and I'd say, all right, Tacey, Jesus or the world? Check. Right? I could go through the whole room. I know what answer I'm going to get. But what about the choice between what God's word says about you and what you think about you? What will you build your life on? Your feelings? Your thoughts? The lies that the enemy has made you believe that's true about you? Your past? Your regrets? Your poor choices? Your bad habits? What others have said to you? What others have said about you? that you're just a no good wretch of a sinner in need of a savior? Is that the foundation that you're going to build your life on? What about the other extreme? Just be true to yourself. 
You've got this all on your own. You go, girl. Just follow your heart. Live your own truth. That foundation is just as shaky as the first. I believe that you'll need to dig deep through the shaky foundation to get to the bedrock. You know, you got to think that where they lived in the desert, in the dryness, those areas that were sand were hard packed. I mean, you, you could build something there. Trying to get to rock was not easy. Either you'd have to dig way deep below all of the sand and all the dirt and all the things that's packed down, or you'd have to go up high to build upon a rock. It looked solid. It looked good. It seemed right. But as Jesus said, that once the rains come, and they knew that imagery, because when the rains would come, the floods would come. And we all know what runoff looks like in the spring, do we not? We know what it's like when the mountains begin to melt and the water comes rushing down and how fast and furious. And if you had a house on the banks in Red Lodge or in Yellowstone, you know what happened. It just washes it away. How powerful that stuff is. If you go to Luke... You know, Luke has a lot of parallels of the Sermon on the Mount in it. And Jesus gives this same parable over there in Luke chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses, uh, starting in verse 46. Luke 6, 46. A little bit of last week's message in here too. Now, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Right? If you're going to call him Lord... That means he's Lord of your life. Think about it. Back, back then, if someone was above you, they, it, whether it's slavery or whether you worked for them, they were your master, whatever, you would call them Lord. And whatever the Lord said, not the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, but your Lord who you worked for, you would do what they said. And so he's saying, why would you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, look at this, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when there was a flood, the river burst against that house, and yet it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like the man who built a house on a ground without a foundation. And the river burst against it and immediately collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great." I believe that what Jesus is saying is not so much finding the right spot, but sometimes it's right where you are and you've got to dig deep. You have to dig deep through the shifting sand, through the stinking thinking, through the false teachings, through the bad theology, all those things that made you think that you're just not good enough. You've got to dig deep through that and know who you are in Christ to allow Christ to be the foundation, not you. Amen. To allow Christ to be the foundation, not your thoughts, not your feelings, not what you've been, not who you were. Let Jesus be your foundation. Amen. Make Jesus the foundation. Dig deep to the bedrock. 
build your life on this. Turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians has to be my favorite letter from Paul. It's tied with Philippians. Maybe Ephesians wins out. I don't know. Ask me later. Ephesians is one of those that just paints this picture of here's who you are, and then it says here's how you live it. Here's how you walk it out. That's, I think that's why I like it. Is it's so plain. It says this is who you are in Christ. Here's how you walk it out in Christ. And I love that. And in this part in chapter 2, he's talking about that we are made alive in Christ, that we are alive together in Christ, that we are saved by grace through faith, and it is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He's just, he's breaking all these things down. And look at verse 19. We could even start in, in uh, 17. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. He's bringing the, the, the two different groups of believers together, right? He's taking the Gentiles and the Jews. He's bringing everybody together. And he's saying, through Jesus, we are united, No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you believed before, through Christ, in Christ, we all are brought together as one. And in verse 19, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You know who you belong to? Where you belong? It's right here. Verse 20. Having been built... On the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So you are no longer strangers to God. You're no longer foreigners to God. You are fellow citizens with the saints. That's who you are. You are part of God's household. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the, and the prophets. What, what was the foundation of the apostles and the prophets? Well, think about it. What was their whole mission? What was their whole duty? It was to, to preach Jesus. And that he, yeah, sharing the gospel, that he was alive and that he was coming again. And so not only was it that, that he was just this guy that came and lived, but he offered salvation, redemption, restoration, and so Paul is going around. They're all going around. The apostles and, and the disciples are all going around and they're saying, you are free in Jesus. You're no longer part of the old. You're now new. And so they're laying down this foundation of that Jesus has come, the Messiah has come, and he has redeemed them from their sin. Isn't that why Jesus came? That he would come and deliver them from their sins, that he would heal them, he would save them. And so that's what they're preaching. 
Exactly what Jesus came to do, that's what they're doing. And that's the foundation that they are laying. And he says that Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything is on him. It will fall apart if you don't have Christ as the bedrock, as the main foundation, as the one stone that holds it all together. And he continues, in whom, who is he talking about? talking about Jesus. In whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom, verse 22, you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So let's, let's look at this. You're no longer strangers or foreigners. You are fellow citizens with the saints. You are of God's household. You were built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the gospel message, the message of salvation. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And verse 21 and 22 go hand in hand together. 21 and 22, I don't want to go through all the 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 words for it, but it's some of you that have studied out scripture and you've known a lot, especially in the Hebrew, that there's these chiastic structures, which means there are two verses that come together and they, they're trying to show you something and you go, you kind of look in the middle and how the middle unites and then they're kind of sandwiched, bookends. And so in this, that's what you have in verses 21 and 22. You both, both of them have an in whom Okay, and so it says, in whom the whole building being fitted together, in whom you also are being built together. Do you see it? Being fitted together and being built together. And one of them says, into a holy temple in the Lord. And the other one says, into a dwelling of God in the spirit. It almost sounds like they're saying the same thing. And they kind of are. But they're I think what Paul is getting to is he's trying to show some really cool theology here. At the beginning and the end, in whom and in the Lord, in whom the cornerstone, in him by the Spirit, you can see that it is only by Jesus in the Spirit that you and I are united. It's only by them. And because of that unity he then starts to fit together and build. In other words, in every person that accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he creates a place for God to dwell. That's why Paul says, don't you know that you are a temple? And then in the center of this, the result of abiding in Christ is the unity. So only by him, you and I are then built together. You are a temple, and he's bringing all of these temples together to build something. When you lay Christ as the foundation in your life, he begins to start working in your life, doesn't he? Not only your life, but the person sitting next to you and the person behind you and the person in front of you. And as he's transforming lives, he knows how to put people together. 
And you know what he's doing? He's building his kingdom. He's building his kingdom. Not only is he building his kingdom in heaven for us, but he's building his kingdom here on earth in you and in me. Because you and I carry the Lord wherever we go. His spirit is in us everywhere we go. And so that's why, we, that's why we take care of our bodies. That's why we do the things that we do is because we know that if, I, if the temple is here, I've, I want to take care of it because that's where I want the spirit to reside. And so in that, he's fitting and building together. And the whole thing is that as the result of you abiding in Christ and as the result of me abiding in Christ, he is building together his kingdom. Jesus is our foundation. We are filled with his spirit. When then we are fitted, we are built, we are joined together to what? What is it that Jesus is building us together to do? To increase the population of heaven. To grow the kingdom. Because when he gets a hold of your life, he gets to put you in a spot. Fit you together just where you need to be. And the fo- another layer of the foundation is there. And when someone else gives their heart to Christ, he then takes them and puts them right there. And he continues to build it and fit it and join it just right. That people would have a place to go. That people have a place to belong. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It's about increasing the population of heaven. You ever thought about that? That every word that you say can increase the population of heaven. Every act that you do can increase the population of heaven. Kindness, grace, love, forgiveness, you could impact the numbers of heaven because Jesus is working in your life. As the Spirit leads others to Jesus, we all get fit together to keep growing the kingdom. And I believe that every single piece matters. Your family is a piece. Your neighbors are a piece. Your coworkers are a piece. Your church family are all pieces being joined together under the foundation of Jesus Christ. Walk out your faith, church. Walk out your faith because you never know. You never know how God will use you to add one more piece to the building. One more piece. One more piece. I don't know about you, but the Sermon on the Mount over the last year has transformed my life. And I hope it's been the same for you. We've heard what Jesus has to say about almost every topic. (laughs) That's what I love about it. And now you have a decision to make. I have a decision to make. 
Do you hear it and do it? Do you hear it and believe it? Do you hear it and walk it out in your life? Or have you heard it and you say, well, that was a nice sermon series. When is he going to start talking about... Walk out your faith, church. Jesus has given it to you freely. He's given you this gift. Build your house on the rock. Build your life on the rock. And let God build his kingdom on it. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your abundant mercy, for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for these words that you spoke on that mount or hill or whatever it was. We're just so grateful for the words that were recorded, for us to be able to see them, to hear them, to know they are true, and to walk them out in our life. So Lord, may we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. May we be merciful. May we be pure in heart. Father, may you make us peacemakers. May you be with us in persecution when others revile and persecute us. May we be the salt, Lord. May we be the light that you shine through us. May we recognize that you came to fulfill the law. And in that, you transformed our life. And so our anger dissipates. Our lust dissolves. Lord, that you would walk in our hearts, live in our hearts, that we may be faithful to our spouses, that we would always tell the truth, that we would let our yeses be yes and our noes be noes. Lord, that we would not retaliate against those who hurt us, but may we pray for them, may we bless them, may we love them. Lord, when we give, Father, when we give, may we give with a generous heart, not trying to to gain approval, not trying to let others, people to see us, but may we give with a pure motive and a pure heart. May we pray with a pure motive and a pure heart. May our prayers be meaningful. May our prayers be personable. Lord, when we fast, may we do it as a connection with you. Lord, when we store up treasure in heaven, may we recognize that we are that treasure and those around us are that treasure and that means the most to you adding to your kingdom. Lord, that we would not worry about our life, what we we will wear, what we will eat, what we will drink, but we will seek first the kingdom of God and all of your righteousness. That we would do to others what you would have them do to us that we would choose the narrow gate and walk it by your strength. That we would know the difference between those who are out to uplift us and those who are out to destroy us by their fruits. 
but we not just proclaim it or profess it of saying, Lord, Lord. But may we do the will of the Father by being transformed by the power of the Spirit. And Lord, may we dig deep through the shakiness of the sand that the enemy has tried to put us on as a foundation. May we dig deep through all of that and build our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Who we are, what you've called us to be, how you've called us to live, may we live that out in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. May God bless you. I have no idea what our next series is going to be. Pray for me. I did not want this series to end. You are free in Jesus. You are loved by Jesus. You are his child. You are redeemed in him. Now go walk out that faith.